abduction researcher Bud Hopkins. Peter was a prolific author and lecturer, speaking at UFO conferences throughout North America and Europe. His numerous credits include working as a research assistant on the United Nations Secretary General's 1978 report for the establishment of a UN UFO department. We know Peter was a painstaking researcher, a dear friend, and a true gentleman. So, Peter Robbins, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. to be back, even if not live with you in Exeter, New Hampshire. Well, you're alive somewhere. (laughs) Well, we do the best we can, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So I guess before we we take questions from the audience, uh, can you give us a brief overview of UFO research today? Um, What do we know today that we didn't know 80 years ago? Well, you know, when that question came to me... um, how we connect things up in our mind, I thought about a classic Twilight Zone episode. Uh, if you haven't seen it, well, it's going to be a spoiler alert right now. Um, a commercial airplane is flying into New York City, and there's some kind of electrical storm and weird stuff going on, and then they realize they're flying in in the late 1930s rather than 1960 or so. Everybody freaks out. They go back into the storm, hoping it will somehow get them to where they want to go in the time, and they come out of it again, and they come back over Manhattan Island. All is good, except they're about 70 million years (laughs) in the past with dinosaurs. If we were back in 1942, rather than right now, we would be looking at an entirely different landscape. Uh, Number one, there would be no UFO organizations or groups. There would be no books or UFO magazines. No media coverage, um, because there'd be nothing to cover. No conferences, no internet to find out information on this subject, which didn't quite exist at the time. Any references to flying saucers or that kind of thing would have certainly been relegated to the realm of science fiction. No dialogue going on between researchers, because there was no research community. Um You had, in 1942, one modern case in America that had some attention, which was the February 1941 Los Angeles uh, overflight of an unknown object. In our history, myth, and lore, there was the 1897 airship mystery. Um, No ancient aliens, no UFOs in the Bible being discussed, no UFOs and nukes to consider because there were no nukes, no government cover-up, And as a result, no even hint of a national security state on us yet, no declassified documents, and no UFO ridicule. So we would be in a very different place. Um, What do we know now that we didn't know in 1942, which is five years before the birth of the so-called modern age of UFOs? Well, the answer is essentially everything. Uh, what have we learned? That is open to debate. I think here about the mantra that became world famous with the advent of the very popular X-Files television show and the poster in Fox Mulder's office and following that in millions of bedrooms and dorms around the world, I want to believe. We all want to believe certain things about this phenomena, and that would include things that we don't want to believe about them. 
because it's an unregulated industry, so to say, um, I can't disprove your wild claim, and you can't disprove my scholarly dissertation. Uh, not that they have equal weight in my mind. What we know, I think, all things considered, is that we're not alone in the universe. Um, I realize I know more than most people because I've spent more than 40 years diligently studying the subject. But I also know how little I know. I guess I came to a point some years ago where that Zen mantra of knowing that you know nothing and having it be okay kind of transmuted, knowing that you know some things and that you'll probably never know others is okay as well. We do see in the work people coming forward and saying, this is, this is an empirical fact. We have 37 alien races visiting the planet. All aliens are good. Statements that I find would be funny if they weren't so outrageous um, and basically cast a really negative light on taking the subject of UFO research seriously. Uh, I think we know that the forces that be, the secret keepers, working groups within our and other first world governments have struggled for decades to keep the truths from us. I think in part to protect their own egos, little men in uh, their own worlds of trying to look like they're in control and knowing that we are not the largest flea on the back of the great cosmic dog. Um, I could go into a lot of particulars of we know this and that about this case or that case. Uh, we in the research community take the very troubling uh, and fascinating subject of UFO-related abduction seriously, and it's certainly hardly all anecdotal. There is a great deal of physical evidence on the level that you could bring into a court of law uh, to confirm these realities. We know that there are truly anomalous UFOs, which may be ours at this point, we don't know, that have been filmed, that government officials can't seem to agree on, at least in public, are ours or theirs. We are at a time, though, where the ridicule has lessened considerably over the last five years, and in a very healthy way, people in work that formerly they would never jeopardize uh, their position in, be it in government, in the sciences, in academia, are now coming forward and taking positions and not backing down and knowing that it will not result in being made fun of or jeopardizing their jobs. Just a few thoughts off the top of the head. Okay. I love the uh, cosmic dog metaphor. Now, uh, we'll turn it to Aurelio. Do we have uh, questions in the chat room or anyone uh, from the audience uh, ready to uh, pose questions for Peter or, did, or discussion points? Yes, we do have one from uh, Lauren. Uh, are malevolent creatures who visit the Earth truly intending to be harmful, or is it their sense and sensibilities are so different from ours that we interpret perceive them as malevolent? Um, why would creatures, whether paranormal or ET, come to be destructive? It doesn't make sense to me, and I appreciate your thoughts. Great question, Lauren, uh, and I will begin the answer with an answer I often fall back on, 
I don't know. Um, so many of my opinions uh, are based on critical thinking, careful study, um, deductive reasoning, and common, old-fashioned common sense. Um, malevolent creatures. Are they the ones that may be truly malevolent, or is that merely our perception of them? Um, if we were research biologists who were uh, trying to figure out why some rare breed of otter in the Hudson, um, um, in northern Canada, um, were fading out and uh, going away as a species, we'd be up there researching it. We'd catch one in a painless trap. You might lift it out, hold it in your arms, pet it, and say, we won't hurt you, we'll love you, we know you're nervous. Meanwhile, I am painting a number on its side, putting drops in its eyes, giving it a shot, and putting a radio collar on it, which might completely freak it out. It might perceive us as evil or bad or negative in some way, but we know that wouldn't be the case. Uh, so perception is half of it right there. Um, if we are being visited, as many of us maintain is true, the likelihood is it's not just one group. The likelihood is that we're being visited by a myriad of other intelligences with their own attitudes toward agendas about or relationships with humanity. Uh, some may indeed um, not have our best interests at heart. Others may very much... Um, want us to improve, to come together, to stop murdering each other, to cease our basic human activity of clubbing each other to death over where the line is drawn in the dirt, and at least give an opportunity to make contact or show that we're ready to make contact with life forms from off this planet or out of this dimension, however it may work out, or both. Um, Again, I have no hard answer for your question, Lauren, and I think anybody that says they absolutely know, really, if you take it down to the baseline, is saying this is what I absolutely believe, and I hope I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, Peter, in, in addition, I, Lauren would like to know, also know that if um, – uh, do you have an assertion or do you have, have seen any sort of evidence that uh, there are – aliens living among us uh, that are integrated into society. In the years that I worked as Bud Hopkins' assistant, I met with, spent time with, uh, became involved in the case studies about, met with relatives of, in some case mental health professionals, saw physical evidence regarding their experiences, uh, their memories, and in some cases their contact with other intelligences who best described as part us and part them, uh, hybrids, as uh, is usually referred to. Why they exist, once again, we can only make educated guesses. Uh, are they, the other intelligences, intent on breeding a, uh, a variation uh, of life form that, is part us and part them to prepare us for increasing physiological challenges as the environment continues to degrade, as, um, you know, other environmental factors come into play. Again, we can only guess. 
we regularly now do gene man- manipulation, uh, adjust DNA. Perhaps they've been doing that with us for hundreds of thousands of years. Perhaps for somebody's graduate experiment gone horribly wrong or at least getting a failing grade and needing work. Or that there may be some of them who would be just as happy to see us extinguish ourselves so that this planet could be allowed to regenerate around their occupation and allow the other life forms, which aren't going out of their way to hurt anybody, uh, unlike us, who are the primary predators uh, and destroyers of this planet, um, give the Earth a, a second chance, so to say. I don't know, but it's all food for thought. Okay, uh, really, or any uh, further questions? Uh, not for now. Okay. Uh, now, Peter, um, we have an audience, uh, particularly today, that is very interested in UFO activity in the Northeast, uh, you know, New England, uh, Hudson Valley. Can you give us an update on the latest UFO developments in that area? Nothing that's absolutely groundbreaking or um, sweeping. We continue to have um, a regular rate of sightings, of contact claims. Um, for whatever reasons, there are certain areas that historically always have more than others. In the northeast here, there is a, it's not even a town, I guess you'd call it a hamlet, in New York State called Pine Bush. And it has the distinction of claiming more validated, confirmed, multiple UFO sightings, events, claims of contact than any other area in this part of the country. Why? Again, theoretical, but there's only so many answers. Uh, one is that it's in an area with um, military facilities, and they seem to be interested in keeping an eye on them. The other is slightly more exotic, but not out of the question. Um, we see it in areas like Bonnie Bird, Scotland, another tiny little town with UFO stats that historically are off the charts. Perhaps we are dealing with a window area, so to say, or a portal, as is sometimes theorized, where these things come and go from. Um, you and I recently, of course, uh, and Ben uh, marked uh, uh, a very important northeastern event, well, a pair of them, really, in uh, the Exeter, New Hampshire UFO Festival and Conference held every year in beautiful Exeter uh, on Labor Day weekend, which is the incident at Exeter from the 1960s and, of course, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO abduction from 1961. These events continue, but at the moment, none of them have the um, the headline-raising uh, um, cachet that, say, the so-called Tic Tac UFOs still seem to have, even though that case broke five years ago and happened in the early 2000s. Well, that that's very true. I remember uh, a particularly um, great show that we did from Exeter, a live show uh, on September 4th, and I would uh, recommend that uh, people uh, can go to uh, BehindTheParanormal.com or iTunes or Apple Pie, whatever. It's all on that our show from uh, September 4th, which included Peter, of course, and all our other speakers. A lot of great discussion. Kathy Martin was there and plenty of other folks. Uh, 
and uh, Ben Ben uh, couldn't participate. He was being the producer in the back, but he got a nice ovation at the end. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, we have a couple. Of, Peter, did you want to introduce any topics uh, of your own that we didn't think of in the no, script? Just to say, as an addendum to what you just said, um, pretty much every live event for two years was on hold. And um, this year, of course, a number of them went back into gear, UFO area and uh, a myriad of others. Um, but one um, guest at our conference this year uh, lent a note of distinction and gave a particularly interesting talk, and that was Ralph Blumenthal. Oh, yes. Who was a, a staff reporter for the New York Times more than 50 years, who um, won a Pulitzer Prize for leading the uh, news investigation team looking into the first, the 1992 World Trade Center bombings, who went up against the mob repeatedly, who, um, a really crackerjack newsman who has lived a remarkable life and who was there primarily because um, he has written an absolutely first-rate biography of the late great Dr. John Mack of Harvard, a distinguished psychiatrist, co-founder of Cambridge Hospital Psychiatric Wing, and a Pulitzer Prize winner as well for a psychiatric biography on Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, sadly, we lost John in 2004, which was at that time for Ralph Blumenthal when he was becoming interested enough in, in, in Mac and his work regarding alien abduction to want to write a book about him. And then John is killed by a drunken driver in London, sadly, very sadly. Uh, but his talk was terrific, and I think it's the first time we've had a Pulitzer Prize winner speak at that conference. Indeed. Well, if there are no questions uh, from the audience, uh, there is another. Aurelio? Uh, we do have one from uh, someone listening in Chicago. Has there been any sightings or phenomena there lately? Lately, I don't know. Um, one of my uh, dear colleagues... Um, uh, who lives and works in Chicago, um, Sam has covered the beat there uh, for decades, and he is one of the major research investigators of the O'Hare Airport uh, UFO uh, overflights, and that could be several decades ago now, but I am not aware of any particular major breaking cases in the Chicago area at the moment. Uh, there was, of course, the uh, uh, peripheral phenomenon, uh, the Mothman type of creature that's been sighted sometimes uh, more than one at a time in the Chicago area, and uh, we're planning to do a show on that quite soon. So, um, okay, very good, and uh, thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions. Uh, as we wait for more, there is the matter of disclosure, mm. uh, the term used to... Uh, presumably uh, guide the the notion that uh, the government at some point is going to tell everybody what they know about UFOs and they've been preparing us supposedly through Hollywood films and this and that. Um, now, Peter and Ben and I have been on many panels together when this question has come up. And uh, many of our colleagues will learnedly discuss, oh, yes, this year or next year. They get to us and, and we say, well, you know, who here believes what the government says? And the whole audience groans and, you know, and, uh, you know, we may be wrong, but, I mean, there is no the government. 
uh, in the sense that it's competing turf battles, the agencies, uh, some know things, some don't, maybe accurate, may not be. Peter, what say you on all that? Can we expect uh, any disclosure that's going to be worth anything? I First, if we're talking about that kind of picture book disclosure of some major credible representative of the United States government, i.e. the military intelligence community, uh, along with uh, representatives of our military industrial complex all put together in a talk to the media by the president of the United States to the effect of my fellow Americans and by extension citizens of the world. It is my solemn duty to inform you that we are not alone in the universe and we've been t- covering this up for the last 77 uh, years. Don't hold your breath. At the same time, disclosure is happening. It's We're in the middle of it right now. It's it's a process. Um, I think, again, human nature being what it is, and that unwillingness uh, on the part of the world of men in power to admit that you were wrong, to admit that you made a wrong decision, to admit that your forebearers uh, made a wrong decision. I, I think the first thing to consider in practical terms is in America, where the cover-up began, and uh, in the process turned us into a uh, national security state, which continues on and I think is undoable, that if a president, this one, the last one, the next one, were to you know go on world media and say something like this, they would have to consider that by doing so, they were saying that every single president since and including Harry Truman, right up until that president at that moment, had been an unindicted co-conspirator in the greatest cover-up in history. And who cares if you're a progressive or conservative, liberal or Democrat, um, Republican or Democrat, the world of ex-presidents and their families and heritages is a very small elite club. And none of them want to be tarred with that brush. Um, I think, again, um, it's not going to come that way, but it is happening now, every day, a little at a time. I think we will see, uh, as time continues to pass, that the old um, strategy, which simply was nobody's going to say anything because they're too afraid of looking like a fool, or being tarred as a crank, or being seen as some kind of mystic goofball, it doesn't work anymore. The ridicule um, is detaching itself from the subject, and that's a very good thing. But what we're getting, what we have gotten, if you're uninformed about the subject, seems pretty dramatic. Simply a willingness to admit that there has been an interest in official circles in this for decades. And it's been kept secret, so to say. Um, we know that backwards and forwards. It's, for me, like a carefully staged kabuki play from this point on. We will see other reports coming from the government, from Congress, perhaps from the Department of Defense. What they will be talking about is perhaps one more aspect of uh, uh, analysis of videos of this footage from the Navy or... Uh, this document that we've just gotten hold of. But what they will not be talking about is anything exotic, 
anything too challenging or anything that they can't exert some control over. We won't hear any talk about crashes and recoveries, um, back engineering, uh, certainly abduction, missing pregnancies, hybrids, etc. But the process is going on now as we speak, a little at a time, every day, in different parts of the world in different ways. Okay. Why don't we take our mid-show break just a little bit early? Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, uh, WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. And uh, today we are simulcasting, as we do every year, with the uh, wonderful Danbury Public Library and at the uh, Western Connecticut UFO Conference. And our special guest today, Peter Robbins. And we're going to just move on. Are we going to? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's very quick. Okay, it's very quick. Quick break. We'll be right back. You can depend on us for public service. Owen Radio. I told you it was quick. You're right, Ben. It was quick. So we're back. It's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON AM and FM. And we are broadcasting uh, live today with the Western Connecticut UFO Conference and our very special guest, Peter Robbins, who's uh, taking audience questions. And back to Aurelio Maraca, the uh, tremendous uh, administrator of this call, holding it all together. Uh, do we have any uh, questions from the audience or do you want to jump in yes. here, Ben? Yes, we do. Uh, uh, Peter, uh, what research projects are you working on currently? Mm. Uh, great question. Um, I'll tell you, I just finished one that has been the culmination of quite a few years of work, which, as briefly mentioned um, about how things were 80 years ago, um, the origin of the ridicule factor. How did it happen that we in the Western world um, came to think of somebody simply saying, I saw something in the sky I couldn't explain and I never saw before as delusional, uh, a hoaxer, a mystic, somebody looking for attention, somebody looking to be famous. It makes no sense whatsoever. And it was a long organic project that I completed um, early this year and presented uh, in Exeter uh, in a number of ways. Right now, um, a number of things. Um, I am working on a new book with a uh, co-author, and I'm not going to say exactly what it's on. It will be out next year, but once again, it's sort of a basic questioning uh, of the subject, and I'm I'm sorry because my co-author and I have made an agreement that we won't talk about the, the content of the book uh, per se uh, until we're, we're further along. Um, another thing that I've been involved in, and it comes and goes, especially after a certain point of notoriety in this work, which is other people reaching out to you and saying, I've written something, will you take a look at it? Uh, or can you give me your thoughts uh, on this or any advice? And um, two new books only in the past uh, few months have come my way, uh, both of them on the edge of publication, both of them now in print, that I was so taken with that I'm doing what I can with the authors to get the word out there on them. Um, I guess there are maybe half a dozen books this year or manuscripts that have been sent to me. 
I, I think in this research community, you know, there are prima donnas, so to say, but I like to think that most of us are in this together, in the trenches. It doesn't matter whether you're better known or lesser known. We are truly all part of a cadre trying to advance this subject as we go. And I remember people in the work, some of them very well-known people, who were there for me when I was a non-entity years ago, encouraged me, helped me, um, and I I think it's sort of payback. So anyway, two of these books right now, um, one is by a uh, a retired British businessman named Steve Aspin, A-S-P-I-N, and uh, over the pandemic, Steve wrote a book called Out of Time. I he had confided things to me as a friend in confidence over the years that I thought uh, he would never talk about in public. But he has written as remarkable and well-documented an account of a perfectly sane, upper-middle class, if you will, well-educated, uh, well-traveled businessman in a happy marriage who has had a lifetime of these experiences as did people in his family before him. And not only does he document it brilliantly, but he gives us capsule histories, uh, for those who are not familiar with the subject at all, of major UFO cases per se, and then major abduction cases per se, and then, I don't know, something like 50 pages or so of um, hard evidence of analysis, physiological analysis, of um, careful uh, appendices, well-researched on aspects of his work. I cannot recommend the book highly enough. It is, again, called Out of Time. The other one um, caught me completely off guard. It's um, called Project Blue Book, and it is not a UFO book. It's an old-fashioned police detective novel um, by an author who actually lives fairly close by where I live who had written uh, a marvelous novel with um, characters. I, I, I like detective fiction. I like mysteries. Uh, my reading is not 100% UFO-related. God forbid we go crazy. Um, but I enjoyed his first book, and he contacted me to say, I've written a second book with the same characters, set in Dayton, Ohio, and um, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is where I grew up. These were my childhood stomping grounds. And it's a murder mystery based on the cover-up of the initial cover-up. And the bodies do start to pile up. Uh, again, it is not a UFO book, but the premise is based in the UFO cover-up, and that subject weaves its way through the rest of the book. Uh, the author is named... Uh, Harley Campbell and the book is called Blue Book and to take a break from UFO related reading I recommend it highly Um, I am also working on a number of articles for publication um, that I write on spec and you know send out to different online or print publications Uh, other thing is I'm trying to organize my library a little bit better. Like Paul, I am a bibliophile and book lover. Um, 
I do not follow the Dewey Decimal System. I have my own crazy system of organizing, but I love books. I love my library. I use these books for research. And even though it's hardly some new breakthrough project, to keep your tools sharp uh, and in good order. And it's one of a number of more academic-related projects I'm working on, as well as organizing my archive of newspaper articles and ephemera, uh, conference-related, historical, that I just want to have, again, more accessible for myself and um, ultimately well-organized for wherever this material ends up after I go wherever I go, when I go through that door and to whatever happens next to us. <laughs> well, there we have it. And before we take the next question, Peter, let's take a moment now to, to talk about yourself, where people can find out more about you, website, books, etc. cetera. Uh, right now, um, my website is hopefully out of date. Uh, I can be contacted uh, on my Facebook page. Shockingly, there are more than one Peter Robbins in the world, <laughs> one of them who is actually a good friend of mine, a photographer in Washington State. Hmm. Um, but I am the Peter Robbins in Ithaca, New York. I always post what's coming up uh, with myself uh, regarding this work on that page right now. I am on Twitter, but have been pretty lax on that the last couple of months. Um, my weekly radio show, which I've become very proud of, broadcasts Monday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on KGRA Digital Broadcasting. That would be KGRADB.com. You can listen or watch live to any of the shows by going to that link, KGRADB.com. And uh, at the top of their website is a link that says Live's Either live stream, I think, and click on that at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard, and you can watch me live. Uh, otherwise, that show, meanwhile, here on Earth, is uh, on Spreaker.com, uh, also accessible if you are a KGA, KGRA subscriber. Okay. And last but not least, um, KGRA, no, I think that was the last but not least at the moment. Okay. Uh, Aurelio, who's next? Uh, I actually have a, a question uh, for Peter. Uh, recently, in the last, uh, say, like a decade, have you noticed anything different in terms of uh, abduction phenomena, any sort of cases that are, say, different in the last uh, 60 years since uh, the first widely known abduction case with Betty and Barney Hill? Uh, I became deeply involved in the world of abduction-related studies in the 1970s but in earnest and in a more scientific way and then working uh, as the assistant to really the uh, the pioneer of the serious study of scientific study of UFO abductions, Bud Hopkins, in the early 1980s. At that time, um, it's important to remember that not only was the subject relatively new to the world of UFO studies, and it was resisted for years, because people in the field, primarily middle-aged white guys, uh, which I think is still fairly representative, wanted, understandably, to be taken as seriously as possibly possible by the subject. It was considered socially okay to discuss lights in the night sky, radar returns, 
analysis of physiological cases where organic material had come up under uh, come up uh, in contact with some kind of anomalous phenomena um, lights in the night sky but when you started to talk about aliens uh, a word i've never been comfortable with i usually fall back on other intelligences um, then you're crazy uh, as one colleague had said to me about those times which i thought captured it and was a very funny at the same time our focus was on the cars and not the drivers and the people that were coming forward who alleged that they had had these experiences overwhelmingly had not had positive experiences. Uh, they were in some cases traumatized, um, fearful, anxious, depressed, in some cases doubting uh, their sanity because there was no cultural grounding. UFO abductions were not the subject of films and books and movies and television shows or talk shows. It was a truly isolated subject. And so most of the people that I dealt with and spoke with, took case histories from, spent time with, had not had a good experience. Is that because what was being done to them was bad or because, again, there was no grounding in it. Um, there were, of course, people always, um, and I think uh, the so-called contactee movement of the 50s and the 60s uh, set up a certain archetype of people who were very hopeful and positive uh, about their contacts with other intelligences. Um, to the point of naivete, one can argue, welcome the Space Brothers, you know, they're here to cure cancer and help the world with all of our problems. And essentially help us get out of the, the situation we've gotten ourselves into. Over the decades, more and more material has entered the world of popular culture, of um, serious UFO studies, as well as the worlds of literature, children's cartoons, advertising, that even if you have a problem or are seriously challenged by the subject, which I can respect, you're at least aware of it. Certain key publications, like um, the publication of Whitley Strieber's book in 1987, Communion, that created a, a kind of crossover effect where a general audience became more interested in the subject than the hyper-specific audience that had been studying it. Same could be said about the Travis Walton abduction. And certainly in part because... Uh, Travis's experience, as well as Whitley's, were the subject of major Hollywood movies. Perhaps not completely accurate, but seen by millions of people. Now, what we're seeing is concerted efforts by researchers, of course, who are specializing in this subject, who are reporting that the individuals that are interfacing with them are having much more pronounced positive experiences, transcendence experiences, beatific experiences, which is great. I would say, and this is a completely off-the-top-of-my-head statistic, um, back in the day, maybe it was like two-thirds of the reports plus were, I didn't have a good time, this was negative. Now I'm seeing that maybe two-thirds of the reports plus that are being documented by researchers are, this was a positive experience for me. With that in mind, 
does that mean that they are more positive or the more human-friendly ones are more active or that that particular group of other intelligences that are involved in this practice, which may not be representative of the sweep of other intelligences by far, um, that they've simply gotten better at convincing their subjects that they mean them well, but maybe they don't. Um, this is a very emotional subject for a lot of people who feel it's one thing or the other. Are they bad or are they good? I think that's the wrong question to ask. Um, again, we may have varying entities with different goals. Uh, leave the thought just by mentioning the wonderful old parallel parable uh, about the six blind men and the elephant, trying to explain to each other what an elephant is. One of them has his hands on the tusk, the other the leg, the other the ear, the other uh, the trunk, the other the tail, the other's patting it on the side, and they all know the other ones are wrong because their experience of the elephant is X, Y, or Z, where you're reporting something to me that has nothing to do with my experience. Welcome to the misunderstandings of the human race. Right. Uh, ben, <laughs> did you want to jump in here at all? Uh, sure. Um, I have been writing down notes, as I always do, um, and I, I think I think it's really interesting because we're getting to a point where the we we, we discussed with with Joshua Cutchin um, a couple weeks back we had we had him on our show and I really enjoyed what he had to say because I think a lot of the of the after sort of observing the field over the last decade or so there's a lot of nuance everybody nuances everything and I I think the way forward in my opinion and you know, Peter, feel free to comment on this once I have finished my little tiny diatribe. Um, which is all the all this stuff is nothing new in human history. You know, it's been around forever. You know, we've tried to explain it forever and ever and ever. But but the patterns remain, right? It doesn't matter who the civilization is. It doesn't matter who it's happening to. There's always some sort of outside force that's outside of the order of reality that we have established. In, in whatever circle we're in, you know the the names, the governments, the big the big cheeses, the gods, whoever change they <laughs> change, but the the thing that stays the same is the phenomena. The phenomena does not change, and it's it's interesting to me that over the last few years we've changed the names of a lot of things. Whether it's mm. you know up, upright canine cryptids when someone would have called them werewolves, you know maybe <laughs> twenty, thirty, forty, hundred years ago. You know, you know, anything with Mothman, oh, well, that could be a demon, you know, years and years and years ago. Yeah. Or, or even, or even, you know, aliens, UFOs, extraterrestrials, whatever, they could have been angels, whatever. And the, the thing that, that really sucks and something that we just can't get past is, is the, how we interpret reality is based entirely on our, on our experiences. <laughs> and that's individualized throughout the board. You know, there's an objective reality that's there. But there's always an upset, a, a subjective experience of it, and I think, in my opinion, the problem is not so much explaining. Okay, well, we can definitively say that these are reptilians from you know Alpha Centauri, blah 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 blah. I think the 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 main issue is understanding that 
it's not as nuanced as we think it is. That perhaps it is we take a step back and look at it from a more, um, oh man, from from a view of understanding the human experience, Pheno- uh, the phenomenology, right? So understanding that as opposed to trying to pigeonhole everything. Because over the last 80 years, trying to pigeonhole has not seemed <laughs> to get us very far. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there are um, those people, many of them who are friends, relatives, co-workers of ours, good people with good values who are doing their best to keep up their house payments, raise healthy children, um, be activists for their favorite causes, contribute to their communities, um, hope that they don't get sick and that their social security by the time they need it. But the areas of uh, we're talking about never enter into their lives. They have no real thoughts about them. They're preoccupied with regular, important, daily stuff. And all of this is just background noise. Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means it, it's something that they are sleepwalking their way through. There are, to keep it as simple as possible, two realities. There is our day-to-day self-perceived reality centering for each of us around our thoughts, dreams, memories, uh, and fears, but expanding into the world of the individuals we care about around us. And then this other reality of everything else. I sometimes think that the idea of Pandora's box lifting the lid on this mythical structure and there is the unknown, you know, facing us, that in terms of just the UFO world of reality as opposed to spirits and other mysteries in history and the possibility of ghosts and um, afterlife, that if you lift the lid on the Pandora's box, there are a hundred more lids facing you to lift, and each one of those with another hundred. Um, we're overwhelmed by the unknown. We, we, some of us, do our best to try to categorize it, wrap our heads around it, um, apply testing or technology to it to verify some of it, but we're still addressing that whole world of the unknown. A great example for me is I love cats. I, I think they're just the most marvelous creatures. They are, you know, what can I say? Any cat owner would, you know, any cat lover would feel the same. They're particularly smart and very perceptive, and they like to play. And they have a way of suspending reality that we do too, kind of as an evasion. If you're sitting on a bed with a cat and you take your hand and you show the cat your hand, and then you show the cat that you're putting it under the covers, and then you start to move your hand. The cat, who has seen that it's a hand that went under the covers, its ears go back, its eyes get big, its whiskers go back, and it pounces on this fourth-dimensional insane thing that is happening in its mind and will in, stay engaged as long as you keep moving your hand under the blanket. And when you remove it again, the cat, right, I see it, good, back to normal put it back again, they're in another dimension engaged with this unknown movement. Um, that's the human race on a certain level mm. in times of 
perceiving and trying to wrap its head around the phenomena, which is, of course, multiple interlocking phenomena. Some of us tend, like myself, specialize in one parameter of that world of the unknown. And occasionally when I'm brought on to uh, a show or introduced in some way as an expert on UFOs, I cringe um, and will sometimes try to make a joke of it and say, thank you very much, but this is kind of an existential joke. You've just identified me as an expert on the unknown. Let's think <laughs> about that for a moment. <laughs> it's just kind of an oxymoron, huh? <laughs> I'm as lost as anybody else, but maybe I know a little bit better than I am. And at the same time, can make certain um, assumptions that I have come to feel are authentic based on the criteria I've laid out of years of study, engagement with other individuals, seeing things that I feel are the kind of proof you could bring into a court of law, deductive reasoning, critical thinking, and common sense. Mm. Very good. Uh, I wanted. To, I, I think we'll have time for one or two more questions, but in the meantime, I wanted to give Aurelio a chance to talk about the Western Connecticut UFO Conference, which we're simulcasting with today, and uh, what uh, other events are coming up in the conference. Well, thank you, Paul. Uh, Danbury Library will be commemorating the 40th anniversary of the Hudson Valley sightings uh, beginning today uh, through the uh, Saturday, uh, October 22nd, with our seventh uh, UFO conference. Tomorrow we will have Michael Penn. Nicello, who is the executive director of MUFON Connecticut, with a uh, special presentation uh, via Zoom, uh, top 10 UFO cases in Connecticut, and that begins uh, tomorrow. There's still registration, uh, so just visit uh, danburylibrary.org, uh, UFO-conference-2022. You'll be able to register for this and the f- other events I will be talking about. Um and Tuesday night, we will have Hudson Valley sightings 40 years later with author and researcher Linda Zimmerman. We love Linda Zimmerman, and her presentation is going to be really, really great on this uh, uh, special commemorative uh, conference. Uh, also for Saturday, uh, it is a uh, what we like to call a hybrid um, uh, you know, gathering at the Danbury Library and virtual. So we will have Mark D'Antonio, who is the uh, um, uh, astrophysicist, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, an astronomer, uh, and uh, also uh, chief photo and video analyst for MUFON. Uh, he will be doing a presentation called Yes, They Are Here, based on the technology um, that, you know, we, we have at hand, I guess, like, you know, uh, eyewitness testimony, like kind of Bob Lazar and other folks who have uh, worked in the reverse engineering field. He will be present, and we will also be uh, doing this virtual um, uh, uh, during uh, Saturday's uh, conference. And then we have uh, Paul and Ben uh, with their presentation, Time Storms, and that will happen right after Mark's presentation, and they will be doing this virtually, but you can come to the Danbury Library and watch it uh, in person uh, with Mark and myself if you'd like to. And then after, after that, we have Tom Reed, uh, we all know Tom Reed uh, and his family's uh, uh, abduction uh, incident back in the uh, early 70s, and he'll be talking about that, the Berkshires UFO incident uh, with Tom Reed, and we will also have some special guests that uh, 
uh, will be coming in. Uh, some of them will be from Roswell, New Mexico. And then afterwards, uh, this will be all virtual at uh, 3 p.m. Uh, Michael Schratt will be joining us with his special presentation, Retrievals of the Third Kind, Cosmic Crashes, Corpses, and Cover-Ups. These are all available for uh, registration. You will get a Zoom link like you did today for this special simulcast. And on Saturday for the first three uh, presentations with Mark, Paul and Ben, and Tom, that will be a hybrid. You can come to the Danbury Library or watch this uh, virtually uh, via Zoom. Okay. Thank you so much, Aurelia, for all you do. I think we have time for one more brief question. I have a question from one of the audiences. I think this will probably be the briefest, if you can make it brief, uh, Peter. Uh, what got you into all this? What got you into the UFO phenomenon? Uh, I was minding my business, living my life, um, pursuing my career as a New York City-based painter when um, one very memorable afternoon, a childhood memory returned to me that had happened more than 14 years before. It left me somewhat traumatized. It was a unambiguous, very clear, multiple UFO daylight sighting uh, over the village uh, that I grew up in, about 30 miles east of Manhattan, with one of my sisters. And um, a different time, much more innocent time, a subject I had no real interest in, except in the science fiction B-movie sense. And uh, I was overwhelmed. It, it challenged everything I thought I knew. And um, I ended up repressing that memory, as people can do. The memory came loose more than 14 years later without any... Um, uh, giving anything away, so to say, my sister confirmed that memory based on my just simply setting up the scene, the time, the circumstances, etc., and uh, then added that she had conscious memories of being taken, something that I had never looked at, thought about, or really had anything to do with anything in my life, uh, that was shattering to me. Uh, my sister and I were very close. She passed in 2000. Um, but my best sense was she wasn't in inventing that story. Um, after all, uh, we were talking about seeing five UFOs close enough with windows in a V formation over the neighbor's house when she added this at the end. And um, my career as a, uh, a full-time artist ultimately really jumped its tracks, and I became obsessed with this subject, began to research it at a time when I didn't even know there were UFO conferences or magazines or other people in the work, never met anybody who was interested in it, and kind of educated myself, and with the help of a couple of valuable mentors, um, here I am now, all these years later, doing this instead of that. Okay. Well, I'm afraid that's all the questions we have time for in this show. Uh, we'll be back next year, hopefully. Uh, let's uh, do a few announcements here before we close uh, for the day. Uh, we'll look uh, look for us, Ben and I, at the Para Expo 2023 from aboard the USS Salem at Quincy, Massachusetts. That's May uh, 19th through the 21st. We'll be among the speakers and we'll broadcast live from the ship on Saturday, May 21st. 
And you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over uh, 1,100 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WOON, AM, and FM. Also, uh, you can hear many of these broadcasts on major podcast platforms. That includes um, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube, and Spotify. And right there on the main page of BehindTheParanormal.com, you see a link to our show app. We have an app. It doesn't do much, but it doesn't cost anything either. But you'll be able to uh, see the uh, links to all the shows, uh, recent shows, and you can uh, use that to listen to shows uh, that have been recorded and you didn't have a chance to listen to live. Our website also has a charity page, and we ask you to visit that. We have a lot of great charities whose organizers we know personally. Uh, so... We also have uh, next week. What's going on, Ben? So next week, uh, that is October 23rd, we welcome back none other than Peter Robbins. <laughs> for, Think of it. I know, right? We Two weeks in a row. That was a great guy. Uh, for a discussion about UFOs and alien imagery and advertising, which is incredibly fascinating because, honestly, I've never even considered it. <laughs> well, Peter's considered a lot of things. I know. <laughs> So um, let's see, we uh, leave you today with a thought from our favorite, everybody's favorite, 13th century philosopher and theologian, Rumi. <laughs> Everything in the universe is within you. Wow. And somehow, <laughs> you know what's funny? Every time we have Rumi, it's always like a paragraph-long quote, and, and surprisingly, it's not. But the man has a lot of, of fascinating things to say and things to reflect upon. Yeah, for our own times, and he was uh, so long ago. Mm. Well, yeah, I guess not much changes uh, except for technology. The human experience remains the same. That's true. Yes. Except and in the UFO field. That is very true. All right. Well, who so, are you? Uh, as far as I know, I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.